1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to finish up our series on the seven things that Jesus received and the seven places that He shed His blood. We'll look at the last two, but uh, we'll touch on um, the one that we've been talking on, might and strength. So we're talking on the blood of Jesus here in Philippians chapter 2. I know I, you're going to 1 Peter chapter 2, but Philippians chapter 2, this has been our one of our foundation scriptures. Verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself. I am so glad that he humbled himself. I am so thankful he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Aren't you glad that he is? And nothing can ever change that. He is the Lord. Christ the Lord. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 5. This is where we're getting our main text from. Verse 11. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And so we've been looking at these seven things and then correlating them with the seven places that Jesus died in. The last two weeks we've been talking about might. And I just want to share with you again about that out of 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 13. And Peter says this. But before I read this again, let me remind you that they're in persecution. They're having a rough time. They're being scattered. They're elect exiles. Isn't that awesome? So this is what he says to them. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God. So if you want to know what the will of God is, here it is for your life. That by doing good, you should, be, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And I promise you that when you set out to do good, there'll be foolish people that rise up and say all kind of crazy things about you. Just hold your peace. Alright? Verse 16, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but, live, but living as servants of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 17, Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. And your masters today, that means your boss. If you don't like your boss, trust me, 
It's not about your boss. It's about you. Woo! We're doing good, aren't we? Because if you don't like, God's doing something in you. He wants you to do this. He wants you to put this into practice. So he's got to give you unjust bosses so that you learn this, right? Hi. Verse 19, for this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures. See, we're not into enduring anymore. We're into the microwave. Give me what I want right away. and We don't want to endure. We don't want to wait. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Can you imagine the strength, the might that it took for Jesus to endure all that he endured? The agony of all that he went through to provide salvation for us by the shedding of his blood. Can you imagine remaining silent during all of that? And if you go back and you read all of the things leading up to his crucifixion, it was a horrible time in his life. And yet it says that he did not threaten, he did not open his mouth, but he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Hmm. How many of us are able to remain silent when we're enduring mistreatment? I mean, it's going to happen if you believe in Jesus. Jesus said, look, if they hated me, trust me, they're going to hate you. And so he's left us an example. How do we deal with them? How do we handle them? Amen. And then last week we looked at the Beatitudes and Part of the Sermon on the Mount and how we should be. And Jesus told us how we should be and then he modeled it for us. And that's what Peter's writing about. He didn't just tell us this is what you're supposed to do and then just walk away. He told us what we were supposed to do. Then he gave us an example of how we're to put that into practice. What does it look like when you're persecuted and you pray for those who are persecuting you? Mm. In going through this, to me, one of the greatest things that I've learned is if I'm going to follow Christ, if I'm going to become more and more like Him, if I'm going to say that I'm going to be His disciple then there's one thing that I understand that God is going to work out of me. And that is selfishness. That is self-centeredness. That I think that the world revolves around me. It doesn't. It revolves around Him. And He's the one who made it. He's the one who made me. And, and 
you know, through this, I'm hoping that you're seeing that as well, that we are not our own anymore. We've been bought with a price. And we're to honor Him with our lives. We don't have a right to tell Him how we're going to live our lives. And then He has to deal with it. We don't have that right. Paul tells us in, in Philippians, I believe it's chapter 2, that we're to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. And when we understand the price that Jesus paid for us to be saved, to be redeemed, to be brought back into the fold of God, and then we're going to have the audacity to tell Him how we're going to live and how He ought to act with us. It doesn't work that way. He's God, not us. Turn with me to John chapter 19, please. We see this in the life of Jesus because his life wasn't about him. It was about the, the Father. It was about the Holy Spirit. And it was about you and I. He had us on his mind. And Jesus left us a very high standard. He left us a very high example to follow him. We have to understand we cannot obtain to what God has for us without drawing close to Jesus, without relying on Him. He is our example of what it means to deny ourselves, which is not popular in the world today. And I'm not talking about in the world, I'm talking about in the church. You hear about denying yourself and people want to get all freaky about it. So we've looked at five of them so far. Power, wealth, wisdom, might, and honor. And now we're going to look at glory. And this is just amazing to me, but then we'll finish up with blessing. But when the soldiers pierced the side of Jesus and His blood flowed, it flowed with water too, which is very symbolic, but um, it's signifying the birth of His church. To live in the power and the glory of his kingdom benefits. And we find this in John chapter 19, starting in verse 31. John 19, 31. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness, his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place, that the scripture might be fulfilled, not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. And that last part is found in Zechariah 12.10. We're not going to read it, but I just wanted to give you the reference. And as we see this, I want you to know that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they had a plan before the foundations of the world. They worked their plan throughout all of the ages, and they're still working their plan today. 
they are still committed to the plan that they had from before the foundations of the world, before anything happened, before you and I came into being, before the worlds came into being, God had a plan. And he has worked it, he is still working it, and he will continue to work it. And when we're looking at this, the side of Jesus' body represents glory. And there's other scriptures I can bring in, but just for time, I can't do it. But think about in the garden, just as Eve came from Adam's side and she was a reflection of his glory, so we come from the side of Jesus and we are a reflection of his glory, of his goodness. And so when Jesus' side was pierced and his blood flowed with the water, that's the glory of his church being manifested. And if so, now if you'll turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. If you came in here struggling, if you came in here depressed, I'm about ready to cure your depression. All right? If you believe what God has to say about you. Okay? In Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 24, it says this. And this is Paul speaking. He says, now I, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. So the body of Christ is the church. And Paul says, I'm laboring. I'll take the afflictions. I'll do whatever it takes. To be able to get the church to become what God wants it to become. Verse 25. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. That was given to me for you. To make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations. But now revealed to his saints. To them. God chose. To make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that awesome? So he is calling us his church, and we are the ones who are going to demonstrate his glory. Matter of fact, it says this, the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh. It, we have to understand the church, the body of Christ. We are the hope of glory for this world. We are what keeps the world somewhat sane. And if we would really become what God wants us to become, we would be able to answer the world a whole lot better. And instead of trying to become like the world, we ought to be determined to become more and more like Christ. Then we can take care of the world. I want you to know something. And I, I'm not sure that even believers know this. God does not have a plan B. He's only had one plan, and it's plan A. He's not going to look down on earth and say, well, wait a minute, maybe I ought to try something different. 
No, he has one plan. He is stuck to it. He's going to continue to stick to it. And it's going to happen the way he says, whether you like it or not. And my encouragement to you is begin to like what he says about us. Because it's going to come to pass whether you agree with it or not. Whether you like it or not. Whether you understand how it's going to happen or not. It's going to happen. God has one way of working on the earth today and that is through His church. And nothing can stop it. No, no devil, no demon, no human can stop God's plan to release His glory, His goodness on the earth. And it's going to come again through the church because He, Christ, and His Spirit filled the church and the church is the body of Christ. Like it or leave it, that's the way it is. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Man, this is like, this is so awesome. Verse 3. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Woo! Aren't you glad about that? And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh, everybody say all flesh. So how much of the flesh? All flesh. Doesn't matter who you are, you're going to see this. And all flesh shall, shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Woo! Let me read verse 5 again. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I'm telling you, God has one plan. He's been working it since the beginning of time, before the foundations of the world. He's still working it today. He's going to work it tomorrow. He's going to work it forever. And it's a good plan. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. I just want to tell you, it's happening. It's going to continue to happen because the church is alive and well on planet earth. And God will fulfill his word completely in what he's doing for, through, and in the church. This word, God's word, is going to be fulfilled through the church, the body of Christ, because this is where God lives on earth now, the church. And as a whole and as individuals, we are His body and therefore we are the revealers of His glory. So when you go to work tomorrow, you need to know that you are a revealer of His glory in the place that you're going. Isn't that awesome? Woo! Think about it. Paul tried to stop it. Paul tried to stop the church from growing and advancing. And then Jesus, the head of the body, 
the head of the church comes to him and says, Paul, Paul, what are you doing? Why are you kicking against me? Lord, I'm not kicking against you. Yes, you are. You're kicking against my body. Woo! And then his life changed forever. Isn't that awesome? I'm telling you, it's good to be in agreement with what God says. Now, I want you to know the church is not perfect because we're made up of people. But this is what the this is the vessel, this is the avenue that God has chosen to work through on the earth. It's through his body made up of imperfect people. And he's not afraid of our imperfections. He's not afraid of our weaknesses and our flesh. You've heard me say that before. He's not afraid. If he was, he would have created another way. But he didn't, so he's not afraid. So if he's not afraid, we need to stop being afraid of our weaknesses, of our struggles, of our handicaps. You know, we have to stop being and and making excuses for why God can't use us. He doesn't need you to be perfect and have everything together to use you. Look at you now and he's still using you. He's the hope of glory in us. We're just the vessel. So wherever you step, wherever you go, the hope of glory is with you. He's in you. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. And while you do, I want you to know that the church is not going away. (laughs) Woo! Not only is the church not going away, but nothing's going to overtake it. Nothing can overtake it. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. And look, these aren't my words. These are Jesus' words. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Done deal. Try as hard as it wants. Kick as hard as you want. You're not going to prevail against the church. You're not going to win over the body of Christ. The devil is not going to be able to overtake us. You say, well, Pastor, look at what the world is doing. I don't care. Look at what God's doing in the church. There's revival happening. And we're going to get stronger and we're going to get mightier. Because we're going to draw close to Him. If you haven't figured this out, when the world starts encroaching on your lifestyle, you're going to draw close to God. And the closer you draw to God, the stronger you're going to become. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. God is going to reveal His glory, His goodness, His wisdom through His body, the church, which is, in the Greek, the ecclesia. Alright. Ephesians. Chapter 3. Are you ready for this? This is so good. Ephesians chapter 3. Starting in verse 7. 
Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, let's just pause here for a moment because Paul was a true and true Jew. And if, if you were a thinking man, you would think that Paul would be best suited to go to the Jews and argue with the Jews about this. But he didn't. God sends them to the Gentiles. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I love that about God. He doesn't always do the things that we think he ought to do in the ways we think he ought to do them, you know? Thank God, that's right. He's a lot smarter than we are. Verse 9. And to bring to light. Everybody say, bring to light. For everyone. Everybody say, for everyone. What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that Listen, listen, this is, we're going to talk about you now, okay? So that through the church, who's the church? We are. We are the body of Christ. As individuals, we, we are the body of Christ. As collective here, we're a part of this body, but our body is part of the whole body of Christ. And so he says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom, of God. Woo, isn't that awesome? Manifold means that there's so many different variations of it and ways of seeing it and looking at it. You see it one way and tomorrow you're going to see it totally different. And he says, we are through the church. God is going to make known the manifold wisdom of God. And when is he going to do it? He's going to do it now. He's not going to wait till we get to heaven. He's going to do it now. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He's bypassing the world in essence and he's look, let's just go to the rulers and the, and the principalities. Let's just deal with them. You think you're greater than, that, than we are? No. Because greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. There's no devil, no demon, no nothing that's going to stop God from doing it. And when we're walking with Him, when we're engaged with Him, I'm telling you, we are unbeatable. You know, I don't know how many fights there's been, but this is how many God has lost. Zero. Zero. That's right. No weapon formed against us is going to prosper. May hinder us, but it ain't going to prosper. May knock us out for a moment, but we're going to get back up. Amen. If God is for it, I'm saying it again because I want you to hear it on the tape on the when you're listening. If God is for us, who can be against us? And I always like to add, pity those who try to be against us. <laughs> Our greatest days are ahead of us. Your greatest days are ahead of you if you continue to walk with God. And our greatest days as the body of Christ, as the church of God, our greatest days are ahead of us. You know, and I, I am so, I mentioned this back a while. 
I am so sick and tired of all these believers who are like wanting Jesus to come back. They're praying that Jesus come. I'm praying that he comes back too, but I'm waiting because he's going to have a glorious church to take up as his bride. Not a weak thing, not a miserable thing, not a complaining thing, but a beautiful bride. That's what he's coming back for. He's not coming back for somebody who's just surviving. Who just hopes that everything's going to turn out right. We're going to let it turn out right because we're going to walk with him. Look, if you ain't happy, that's your problem. But I am, as you can tell. And the thing, I had to go through this first. And then I had to wait. I had to endure. I I mean, you know, oh God, just take us out of here. For what? Your greatest days are ahead of you. Well, it's getting dark. Then be the light. Be brighter than what you were yesterday. Now, I have to turn the corner. We have to go to the last one. Blessing. It says that Jesus was... Worthy to receive blessing. Mm. And that correlates to the last place we see his bloodshed that we're going to talk about, and that is his face. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. We're going to look at verse 44 first. And this is when he took the disciples and he went and prayed. And it says, Luke twenty-two forty-four, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling, to the, falling down to the ground. That's a lot of agony. And when they're writing it, they're thinking that it's from his face. Luke twenty-two sixty-three and 64. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. And this is primarily on his face. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And then Isaiah chapter 50, please. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6 says. I gave back to those who strike. And my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. And as we've talked on that, I just want to ask us, how would we respond to such humiliation? Would we rise up to defend ourselves or even to want to take revenge? 
Or would we entrust ourselves to Him who judges justly? And as I'm processing this and thinking about this and thinking of all that Jesus went through for the cross and all the places that He shed His blood for us, and now it comes to His face. And you know how sensitive your face is. I can't imagine what it would be like for them to be pulling out His beard. And that's after they're beating him, slapping him, and punching him. But here's what is so amazing to me about God is, is we learn this back in Genesis, is what the enemy meant for evil, God turns it around for our good. Paul quotes it in Romans chapter 8. Okay? But the enemy thought that he had Jesus. And so he's taken full advantage of laying into him. And when they looked at him, they thought that they were winning, but they never read the book of Isaiah. Because that's where it talks about how he looked. And he didn't even look like a man when he was hanging on the cross. That's how bad it was. But when they were doing this, they thought that they were winning. They thought that they were having the final say, but they didn't have the final say. And God used this and God turned this around. His shed blood became the way for us to be blessed. Because when you're seeing face to face, when you're face to face with somebody, you're in intimacy with somebody. And when you're in intimacy with somebody, you get to be blessed. And so God is letting us know what the enemy meant for evil. He thought he was winning, but I want you to know you've won now. You have won. And it says in Revelation chapter 5 that we read that Jesus was worthy to receive all of these things. But you know what? He received them for us. He received them so that He could pass them on to us. And the last one is He's going to pass on blessing to us. What an incredible God. And so I want you to know that whatever you're going through, whatever you think that the enemy, and it may look like he's winning, it may look like he's got the upper hand on your life, just keep remaining silent and still before the Lord and keep entrusting yourself to Him who judges justly. Because I want you to know your day will come. And what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it around for your good. And blessings will come your way if you will stay true and faithful to God. Proverbs chapter 10. I mean, like you couldn't script this any better. Unless you were God. This is so amazing to me. Proverbs chapter 10. Verse 6. Blessings are on the head of the righteous. On the face. But the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Blessings are on the head of the righteous. He was righteous. Jesus was righteous. And He took everything for us. So that the blessings of God, the blessings of heaven, would be ours. So the shedding of the blood of Jesus from His face became for us our blessings. And Jesus' shed blood is prophesied and is visible to us throughout the Old Testament, 
and throughout the New Testament. His covenant is eternal. It is secure. And it's available to all who will call on Him. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed before the foundations of the world for you and I. This Lamb, Jesus, who was slain, stands in the midst of all the glory of heaven for us. Everybody say, for me. (laughs) Jesus holds all power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. And they are ours, and we are never alone in this world if He is our Lamb. There's nobody strong enough. There's nothing, no circumstance strong enough to overtake you. It may be a fight, but I want you to know he still hasn't lost any. And if you'll draw close to him, you won't lose either. Think about this. The enemy even thinks in death he has the victory. But he doesn't. So in the middle of everything that we're going through in our life, I want you to know that you're not alone. We are not alone. The Lamb is standing with you, with us, in the midst of every circumstance. And His shed blood guarantees our victory. What a wonderful Savior Jesus is. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, stand with me. All right, let's... Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day, the love that you have for us. Thank you for the plans and the purposes that you have for your body. And I thank you that New Life Family Church is part of that. And Lord, we thank you that our greatest days as individuals is ahead of us, but our greatest days as a church uh, locally is before us. And we're going to walk in it, Father. And Lord, I thank you that the greatest days for your church as a whole is before us as well. And Lord, I thank you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And Lord, I thank you that nothing can hinder the plan that you have created, that you have been working on, that you have done, that we have clearly seen. There's nothing that can stop it. And Father, we count it a privilege and a joy to be part of it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. All right, have a great week. Don't forget. Friday at 1 o'clock, we start the conf- or 1.30, we start the conference and hope that you can make it as much as you can. You will be blessed, I promise you. You will be. All right, we'll see you Friday.